What is up, happy lifers? I am so excited for today's episode because number one, it's a bonus Mother's Day episode and moms are amazing. And number two, I get to join the unbelievable, the incredible, amazing, one-of-a-kind Joe McCarthy of Mojo Studios, our brother studio in Southern California. I joined him on the Wisdom app and uh, we talked about all things moms. What makes moms so incredible? Because moms, many would say are superheroes, but I think that they're secret heroes. They change the world just like a superhero does, but they don't get the fame and they don't want it either. Stick around. This is going to be a good one. Happy Mother's Day, moms. We are so thankful for you. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does your sun set high? Does your sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. Right, all right, all right. Mojo here, and I am stoked about this one because I am about to celebrate with my friend and all of you wisdomers, moms, because this is for the moms. But my friend Steve and I, we've talked about this before, and it's gone really well because uh, we know <laughs> we know a little thing or two about moms. We're not a mom, but we know some, don't we, Steve? Yes, we do. And I've been called a mother by many people. So, <laughs> yes, right. You mother trucker. <laughs> oh. You know, it was always funny as, you know, I used to be on staff at a couple of different churches back in the day. And when I was asked to go up there and welcome all the moms on Mother's Day, it just felt so weird for me to say it in church, you know. Would all the mothers please stand? And inside I'm thinking, Bud, you should be standing because you're definitely a mother. And you over there, you're a mother. You should be standing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've never been a mom, but I've been called one a few times, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, exactly. Too funny. You know, you think about it when it comes to, you know, swear words or words that we use to really try to get a point across, you know, um, the, the what you know, you talked about mother trucker. Right. But that that kind of tells you it, it's, it's the same concept of when people swear and they they take you know, God's name in vain, or they say Jesus Christ or whatever, you know, as a swear word. It, it, they No one says Buddha. No one says, you know, someone else's <laughs> name. They use his name. Well, it'll also tell you when they want to swear and make, and they really, you know, they talk about your mother, your mom, because it shows the power of a mom, of a mother. Yeah. In fact, to your point, Steve, sometimes when somebody really wants to insult somebody or, or get them, you know, get them really down deep, they'll just insult their moms, right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 That's right. Your mother. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mother. That's right. So uh, tell me a little bit about your mom, Steve. My mom, you know, they say men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Right. My mom was on a completely different planetary. She wasn't even a part of the same universe. My mom, man. Okay. <laughs> my dad, my dad was very funny, but he was also very shy. 
My mom, on the other hand, was funny unless she tried to be, and then she was corny. But nothing <laughs> would embarrass my mom at all. You put those two together and you've got me, which isn't, I don't know if that's a good combination yeah, totally. or a bad combination, but. Got the humor from your dad, but you got the lack of shyness from your mom, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So my mom was herself. She was who she was. She was a one of a kind, unique woman that was just, she wasn't like anybody else. She just wasn't. But man, my mom was a giver. My mom thought about everybody but herself. My mom every year for, for Christmas, you know, they, they were pastors and, um, you know, they were in a church of like 200 people. And they would do, for Christmas, they would have an open house, and the whole church would show up. And my mom handmade the cookies, all of the cookies. She started in, like, July making cookies, and we had freezers full of cookies for that event. Oh. My mom, you, there was not a thing that she didn't save, I mean, and give to somebody. Like, she would save bread. I, I, I grew up with Ziploc bags and bread bags and every bag you could imagine drying on the faucet of the kitchen sink because she had to re, <laughs> yeah. she had to re, reuse them right my totally. mom you couldn't even throw you couldn't even throw away bones or gristle or anything like that because my mom would say of course she'd have an empty cool with container somewhere and it, she'd keep it <laughs> in a certain spot and she'd put all the scraps in because she had a lady from her church from their church that that had dogs and so she would give them the bones the gristle the fat all that I mean my mom was given to people all the time. And my mom was one of a kind woman and she was not afraid to be, to be who she was, man. I mean, she used to work at Publix, which is a grocery store down in Florida. And she was yeah. one of those sample ladies, right? Oh my word. Oh, really? Joe, Joe, she would like, she would, one time she was, I, I was down visitor in Florida. I was in the Midwest, right. And she had moved to Florida and I went down there and she was working and I watched her. She had, she had this, she was selling rye bread that day, little samples of rye bread, dude. And you would go in and she'd start rapping to you and she'd say, try our rye. It's not very dry. It's a really good buy. And then she'd try to beatbox. No lie. I'm not exaggerating. She would go, poo, poo, ha, poo, poo, poo. One time, oh one time this biker looking, this biker looking dude came walking in tough dude with a big old handlebar mustaches, must have been about 300 pounds, sleeveless, got his vest on, you know, and he doesn't want her any of her rye bread, right? It was Christmas time or something. And she had a little frosty to snowman that squeaked when you squeezed it right. And he wouldn't stop at her table. So, Joe, she chased him down the aisle doing her little spiel thing, chasing him down. Try our rye. Squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> Fearless. And yet, if you never call mom out on it, she'd always go, what? What? Like, she would yeah. never see the social about? awkwardness of what she would put us kids into. But <laughs> that's a little bit well, about my mom. For her, it wasn't awkward, right? There, she wasn't awkward. She was just doing You're right. It thing. wasn't. No, okay. she didn't get embarrassed. Yeah. She was just very free spirited and she'd do what she felt what was right. But it wasn't always about what was right for her. It was what was right for other people. And uh, so, yeah, she wow. was quite the lady. Wow, that's remarkable. So is your mom not, not alive anymore, Steve? Correct. She's up with my dad in heaven. She left me, little turkey. They both decided to leave. How long ago? When did your parents pass? I guess that was more than they could handle. My mom passed away just a few <laughs> years ago. My dad passed away about uh, 25, 20, well, 27 years ago. Have you done a podcast on Mother's Day yet? You and I did, but I haven't done one for this year. Yeah, that's right. We did one. Um, yeah, but I did a podcast for Mother's Day, and I put it out Monday because I was like, you know what? Mothers deserve a week, man. They don't deserve a day. They deserve a week. They deserve a month. I had a, 
a friend of mine once talked about how we don't celebrate Father's Day. I tell my family we celebrate Father's Year. We should have. I'm like, okay, I get it. Dads work hard. But if anyone deserves a year, it's the mothers out there that, that deserve a yeah. year. They deserve so much more than just a day. And you know what? They don't even, but they don't want that. Right. You know? Their favorite presents aren't necessarily the expensive ones. They're the ones made out of, you know, dried macaroni and ones made out of glitter and popsicle sticks. Yep. And, you know, yep. and then, you know, dad, I, my kids bring me a, a, a tie. I'm like, what am I going to do with a tie? Right. Well, look at that tie <laughs> that you got me. Right. But boy, all your kid has to do is he's got a bunch of wilted dandelions in his, in his fist that he squeezed the life out of and he brings them to you and moms, that's the trait. They would rather have that than a bouquet of flowers, a bouquet of roses worth okay. 50, 60, hundred dollars any day because it's they they care a lot about the heart yes that's so behind true. the whole thing so true yeah that my grandma was that same way i i remember one time when i was walking up from our house up to my grandma's when we lived near her i was pretty young probably four or five and there was a cornfield between our house and her house and on the way up i realized and I, it's amazing this came to mind but i realized that every time my grandmother would show up at our house she would always have a gift for us it wouldn't be expensive she didn't have a lot of money but it would be you know, a can of olives or uh, you know, peanut butter or just something that she knew that we loved. And so I got halfway to my grandma's, my grandma's house. And I told my sister, I said, I don't have anything to give grandma. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, she always brings stuff to us. So we're walking along and I found this old old brick. Uh-huh. I found this old brick on the ground. And I pick it up and I carry it to the house. And grandma <laughs> answers the door and I said, look what I got for you, grandmother. And she just loved it. And she painted it gold and she saved it until the day she died. And, like it meant so much to her. She painted it she gold, painted yeah. gold. <laughs> and she kept it on the mantle. You didn't even paint it. You gave her a rock and she painted it and said, look at this beautiful, what my grandson gave me. Yeah. Well, to her, you know, to me, it was a, a discarded old brick. And to her, it was, it was a gold bar. It was that precious right. to her. That's just the way, that's right. the way moms do. Right. 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 Yeah. I remember for Christmas one year, I was in college I think that was when we were going to school together, actually. And I went home for Christmas down to Florida, but I had no money. So for, you know, if, if you, I went to all these stores that they give you away free gifts if you apply for a credit card. So, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find out how to, how to give a <laughs> serving tray to my brother, you know, tell him it's a Frisbee or whatever. But I remember I, while I was shopping at the mall, they had at McDonald's, you know, um, if you buy this $5 gift card or $5 gift certificate, they gave you these little, it was when, Oh, some movie came out with the mice. No, it was Cinderella. And they gave you these little, cheap little one-inch, two-inch little felt mice that you, that are an ornament for your Christmas tree. So I was going to eat at McDonald's anyway. So I said, I'll take that that gift card. I paid five bucks for the gift card. Then I returned it back to them and, and ordered my meal. And I got my little, and my grandparents, my grandmother, she loved that cheap little, <laughs> she loved that stupid little mouse hanging <laughs> on a tree, and she kept it forever. I found out right. from from my mom that boy, she loved that. I'm like, she, it, it, I'm glad she doesn't know how I got that, but <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter though, right? It just didn't. But moms are the epitome, I think, of what humans are, or humans should be. In the fact, in this area anyway, of okay. So carnations are actually the official flower of Mother's Day from what I remember when I studied it, unless they changed all that. But here's what's cool about carnations. They're not necessarily the sexiest flower out there, like maybe a rose would be. Okay, But carnations, roses, when they die, when they start to get sick, roses drop their petals. Carnations do the opposite. They're one of the only flowers that I know of anyway that draws their petals closer to their heart. 
Ooh. not drop them, not go farther away. Isn't that kind of cool? And I think in a lot of ways, wow. moms struggle with that. I mean, when you look at a mom, you don't necessarily see a supermodel because she's had kids now, right? And yeah. kids will just beat the tar out of you. But boy, there's something beautiful about your body because it gave birth to those children. Yeah. And it might not be the supermodel body that maybe you had before you gave, but now your body tells a story of something yeah. that, that you that you gave out, right? So I th- think in a lot of ways that moms might not be, well, let me put it this way. I read a, an article years ago that the New York Times tried to put on an article. They wanted to find the 12 most powerful mothers in the country. They finally came back with the conclusion of the 12 most powerful mothers in the country are mothers that nobody else knows except for their families. You know, Ooh. moms are superheroes, but they're, they're not just superheroes, they're secret heroes. But moms yeah. in a lot of ways, honestly, Moms want that. They don't want you to tell it from the rooftop. They don't want you to tell tell everybody how great they are, but they do want to hear how you feel about them. I mean, because roses do represent love and moms represent love, right? Yeah. But roses, they also have thorns and they also need pruning just like our moms do. And my my thing that, that you know, I, I wouldn't say bothers me, but it kind of makes me sad maybe is I think that most moms know their thorns. But few moms know their beauty. And I think that's our responsibility as their children to let them see their beauty. You know, yes. you, you came from a rough situation with your mom and, and yet God provided another mom for you, provided a couple of the women to be your mom for you. Right. Yeah. But you always at least where you're at now, you know, I'm sure that was difficult for you, but you still love and respect your mom and share with your mom how you feel about her. And moms need that attention, man. They need that Absolutely. pruning. They need that attention. They need, they don't need to be famous. They don't want to be famous. They don't want necessarily a, a, a you know, diamond earring. They're, they're content with a macaroni necklace, you know, yeah. but yeah. they're amazing creatures. In fact, you know, whenever I go and speak places, I speak at a lot of Father's Day events. I've, I've grown up and heard a lot of Father's Day speeches and even sermons and stuff like that and how man is made in God's image. But the, the very next line in the Bible that they quote there says male and female, he created them right. in his image. And there is something about the heart of mom. I want to cry just thinking about this. But there's something about the heart of mom that is godly that as men, for the most part, we don't get. You know, we don't talk about papa bear. We talk about mama bear, right? Don't get between a mother bear and her cub. I wouldn't want to get between any bear, right? But you definitely don't want to mess with a mama bear because a mama bear is she, what she'll do to fight for her kids. Moms are just, they're, they're amazing creatures and they're powerful creatures. And they were made in God's image too. The sensitivity, the selflessness, right? The, the care and the love and always putting other people first. That's the heart of the God that I serve anyway. And God put that in moms. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. Those instincts, which you and I can only observe because we don't, we, we haven't birthed any children and we never get to, Mm -hmm. Uh, but those instincts for, to protect and preserve your offspring, you see that all over nature, right? That moms will absolutely, no matter the biggest animal to the smallest, to the human, to the ant, Moms generally, and there's a few exceptions, but moms generally will do anything, including sacrifice their own life, uh, whether that's in a moment or whether that's throughout their lifetime, for the betterment of their offspring. And there's something really profound about that. And again, I can only observe it as an outsider, but I do think that does represent exactly how much God loves us, that he will 
and I think he is unfortunately what the he is the pronoun that we use, but yeah. really it should be he she because we are made in his image, as you said, male and female. So ideally, we would call God he right. she. Um, but yes. anyway, God both as mother and right. father. Well, not even that. Do... What would we even call God? You wouldn't call him an it, but he's an he's an all powerful being. He's not even he's not male or he's not male. Or he's not human. Right. So to try to, we're trying to use human terms to describe right. something that is above human, beyond human, that made humans. Anyway, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was just say the, the, the patriarchal society and all that stuff that gets so much attention. Yeah. Unfortunately, that that is the language that we've adopted and that the Bible's adopted because of when it was written, et cetera. Uh, but unfortunately, I think that's we've lost right. some of the nuances and the richness of the character of the God of the universe who is unfathomable anyway. But, but like, like I was saying is that the female nature, the instinct to do whatever it takes to love her cubs, her care. Well, that that's exactly what God did. He sacrificed everything, including his own son so that we could be adopted into his family to preserve our life, to keep us from destruction. And that's what moms do. So that the, the, the ultimate act of love of unconditional love, as recorded in the Bible, is a very motherly thing to do, right? Yeah. In fact, that's the part that kind of bothers me because a lot of people have a real, everybody loves the baby Jesus, Christmas time. Everybody loves the warmth of Christmas. They love the magic, the feel of God becoming a baby and and being taken care of by a teenage girl that was his mother. We love all that. But then God grows up and we think that he's always mad at us. We think that he's always shaking his head and disappointment and all over us going, Oh, that kid will never, you know, in a lot of ways, because I think it's because we say, you know, man was made in God's image, but we don't see the 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 love. That's my goal is I want people to know that, you know, one of the goals that I have is to let people know that God's got your back and he loves you and he cares. The yes. heart that a mother has, that came from God, right? That heart of the mother that that loves to the nth degree and will give up anything for their child, she got that from God. God's got that same heart in him, and we just don't always see it. We tend to see him as disappointment or maybe a grand, grandfather with Alzheimer's in heaven doesn't even think about us anymore, can't remember our name, whatever. But it's not true because that heart that, that a mom has, it's a heavenly thing. It, it came from God. It came from heaven. And uh, God thinks of moms out there. God thinks an awful lot about you to put that kind of a heart, that kind of a gift in your body. Yeah. And I think all moms probably – deal with this to some degree or another that they look back on their younger self when they were parenting and they criticize, Oh, I should have done this. And I didn't do that. And I wish I would have done that and blah, blah, blah. And like you said, they're focusing on the thorns. We, we have so many weird and insufficient definitions of love. And I'm really challenged lately with that either love is unconditional or it's not really love because unconditional means all the conditions have been met for me to love you regardless of <laughs> what you've done. Right. So unconditional. there's no strings attached. And that's what moms do. And and, and like I, to your point, I, I really am seeing that the God that made me has unconditional love, unconditional, no conditions. There's nothing I can do to satisfy him because it's already been satisfied. Jesus satisfied all the conditions. So it's, yeah. it's not anything that I do. And and I've said this for years, but I, I haven't really fully understood how profound that is. And so now. I'm really feeling like if love is just a transaction where I'll love you as much as you love me or if you love me, well, that's that's commerce. That's not really love. It's Maybe it's like, but love says, I'll love you regardless. And that's what moms yeah. have demonstrated throughout time 
and his, throughout history. And yes, not everybody has an ideal mom. But as you have said to me, which really is profound to right. me, is that maybe we right. had a really sucky mom, but we know what a real mom should look like. We know what a, we know what, deep down inside, we know what a really loving mom would be like. And that's why we're disappointed oftentimes or frustrated. But to me, that says that it's built in deep down inside of us that we know what unconditional love is like. That's what we long for. And God says, here I am, right? I've got that for you. I've got that for you. In fact, when God sent his son to earth thousands of years ago, they had five words for love. But we basically have one word for love. You know, so I love I love milk. I love you. I mean, you know, I love my wife. Right. I love I love to watch movies, you know. I, I love going on walks. I mean, it's all the same word, but it has so many different levels to it. But the Greeks talked about love as though agape, you know, is an unconditional love, but you have a phileo, which is a, a familial type of love. There's just all sorts of different kinds of loves. But I, I would argue that I think the closest love to the heart of God, in my opinion, the closest love to that agape love is seen in in moms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that too, because Love can sometimes feel like a soft music and flowers and, you know, the la-di-da-di. Right. But, but moms right. are fierce. You, you touched on this already that the mama bear is, you don't mess with her, right? So love is both. It's both super yeah. giving and kind and patient, but it's also fiercely defensive if there is any threat to their offspring. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty cool. If, if, if there's a part of God that's like not only – do I love you unconditionally, but I will protect you from every, every enemy and every threat. I'm like, that's a great place to be, right? I'm here. Yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up for that. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you got a good mom, a good mom had to discipline you. But we live in a culture today where all discipline is bad and don't tell a person yes or no or don't, you know, but a good mom, if they're if they're loved, it's because they had to discipline their children, tell them, no, that's you can't do that. No, that's not acceptable in this house. That's and there's a discipline there, you know, and moms can be fierce in that discipline. If you let your kids get away with everything and you, and you don't ever discipline them, then they become spoiled brats. Right. And then they don't care about their mom as much. And does that make sense at all? Big time. In fact, so I was telling my friend John Comfort earlier today the discipline has always been like a, a just a nasty word to me. And I think because I associate it with punishment, you know, if I did something bad, I would get disciplined. Yeah. And so I, I, I had the wrong understanding. And, and lately, and through a talk I had with Jessica on this app just last week, it dawned on me for the first time, the discipline just really means guardrails. It just means that if I'm driving down the road and I don't have guardrails, yeah. one, one of two bad things can happen. One, I'll drive off the road and hurt myself or worse, or I'll hit somebody head on and hurt them. Or we'll both die. I mean, this is metaphorically, of course, but guardrails or rules or regulations or laws or commands, they don't have to be restrictions. They can actually be the guardrails that give you true freedom, where now you can go full bore with the top down, the wind blowing through your hair, the music blaring without fear of hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. That's what discipline is. It's just guardrails that says, I want what's best for you. And what's best for you requires you to stay away from the things that harm you and harm others. I love that. And I think the purest form of discipline is when it comes from a heart of love. Yeah, totally. Not a heart of, just shut up and get out of my way. Stop bothering me. Leave me alone. You know, and I, so, I mean, it goes right back to what you're saying before, is that we think love is this, oh, soft and warm and, you know, and it is, but there's another side to that. And it's that yeah. mama bear side that says, uh-uh, 
oh, no, you don't. Not only are you not going to catch my, my kid, you're not going to harm my kid, but I'm not going to allow my, my kid to harm another kid or my kid to harm themselves through their, not just physically, but even through their thought processes, through their whole, because children have to learn how to live. They have to, you know, like, like John Mayer said, fathers be good to your daughters because daughters will love yeah. like you do. Right. Girls become lovers. That's right. Turn into mothers. So mothers be good to your daughters, too. And that's how they learn how to be grownups is is through that discipline. And that when, you know, it's discipline. You shouldn't enjoy giving out discipline. Right. I never enjoyed giving it out. And it's one of the hardest things in the world. But you know what my son said to me once? He said, Dad, you know what I loved about spankings? I was like, what? What are you talking about? He says, because I'd always, I'd always give him a spanking or I'd send him to his room or I'd, you know, discipline him, whatever the case called for, right? I was never right. brutal to my kids. And this will show an example of that. But I'll give him some time to go up in his room and think about it. Then I always, when he said, Dad, you'd always come up to my room afterwards. And you'd set me and you'd, you'd grab me and set me on your lap. Yeah. And you'd say, do you understand why Daddy had to discipline you? Mm. He said, that was my favorite part of the spanking. Wow. You know, and it's, it, you know, their, their attitude always changes right after that too. And, and I never enjoyed discipline in my children, whether it was a grounding or, or whatever discipline was, I never enjoyed it. Right. But if you give your kids everything that they want, then what's the point? Number one of them having a parent. Right. And number two, right. that's how you become spoiled. And nobody, honestly, nobody likes to hang around a spoiled brat. Spoiled brat is not a compliment. When someone says they're a spoiled brat, that's not a compliment. But a spoiled brat is somebody really who gets everything that they want without any other guidelines, right? Yeah, and quite honestly, it's not just spoiled brat, which is bad enough, but without proper guidelines, then it goes even goes much worse. It goes deeper and uglier and yeah. until it becomes self-destructive because there is no understanding of where the safe boundaries are. That outside of this line... This is where there's destruction. You're going to go in a path that's going to harm you. I just had to tell my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter recently, I said, hey, look, honey, nobody starts out to be a drug addict. They just start by experimenting and think it's going to be fun and just try something new. I said, so when when mom and I say to you, don't do drugs, it's not because we're being harsh or restrictive or are being, you know, old people. It's because we know that it that's the that's the first step over the guardrail when that's where destruction is headed. And, and I, at first I couldn't get through to her. Yeah. She didn't want to listen, you know, rolled her eyes, all that kind of stuff. And so it dawned on me, you know, her language is texting. So I just started texting these things to her and all of a sudden it opened up the floodgates and she was texting me back in paragraphs, things I'd never heard her express or say. And we went for like two and a half hours of texting, even Love though we that. were in, we were 20 feet apart from each other in different rooms of the house. Wow. And you know what, after that, she, she wrote a card to my mom uh, when I went to Montana last week and in the card, she said, I miss you, Grandma, and I love you. Wow. And by the way, you raised a great son, and he's the best dad ever. And she's never said that to me. I was like, wow. I was Shut crying. up. I was no way. Yep. Um, so, but, but my mom, in spite of the fact that she was poor, that she was single, she was raising three kids, and she was kind of a kid herself, uh, and had really not great parent role models of her own, did a remarkable job. And I look back, and I see that my mom – made these great sacrifices for her kids because she didn't get these opportunities when she was a kid and she wanted to make sure that we did. So for example, even the fact she was on a very limited income, single income with three kids, we lived in a trailer house, which was fine. We had a lot of fun, lots of kids to play with. There's a swimming pool across the street. I I never felt any shame for living in the trailer park, Uh, but she bought one winter or maybe two, she bought 
ski lessons to the local ski resort so we could ride the bus up and, and go skiing every Saturday for I forget how long during the winter. And I know she couldn't afford that. And she got a swimming lessons and she let me play tennis. And the things that that she felt would really influence and enhance my life, she made it happen somehow. And I'm sure that's because she didn't eat meals sometimes or she'd eat, eat less or she would scrimp and save and she would make sacrifices for her kids. And I benefited from that all along the way. And she was really good about making sure that we knew manners and that we had respect for our elders and that we went to went to church and worshiped God and understood how much he loved us. And, and here's, here's a great uh, picture of my mom. So in fourth grade, I'm going to a Catholic school and my mom now is seeing that there's some discrepancies between what the Bible says and what the Catholics are teaching. And she just wanted to make sure that I understood. So we'd sit at the kitchen table because I was willing to do this at night. And she'd say, okay, Joe, here's what I'm learning. Here's what the Bible says. Here's the, the Catholic church is teaching. They don't always jive. And I just want you to be aware of that because I know they're teaching you stuff at school. So the next day I'm in school, fourth grade, sister Mary, something or other who carries a, um, one of those pointer sticks with the black ends. And if you weren't paying attention, she'd slam it down on your desk and pull you to attention. And she was like command and control central. And uh, so it's a religion class. And she's teaching that, that Mary was perfect, sinless, never died, and just got assumed into heaven rather than dying and, and uh, going to heaven the way we all do. And my mom had just told me that night before, so here's one of the teachings where it's not in the Bible, but it's in the Catholic teachings. So with very, with great innocence and stupidity, I raised my hand and I said, Sister Mary, which I should have stopped myself right there, right? Sister Mary, um, we're looking for that passage in the Bible about Mary not dying and going straight to heaven, but we couldn't find it. Can, can you tell me where that is in the Bible? And Sister Mary, she starts flipping her Bible back and forth. And as she's doing it, she's my turning word. beet red. And you can see the steam just coming off the top of her head. And she goes slams the book shut. And she goes, well, that's just one of these things that we accept by faith. And man, I just shrunk back down in my chair and I never asked another question the rest of the year. And I was like, whoa, that was weird. And that was scary. Oh and I survived, but my heart was racing. And I was like, thank you, mom, for the gift. Uh, but I'll just keep it to myself. <laughs> right. Um, and I, and I was my, my revenge. Here's my revenge to sister Mary. She was the penmanship lady right so they don't, they don't even do penmanship at school anymore but so her her exercise was every day we go up to the blackboards back when they were green everybody they weren't white uh and we with real chalk and we would write the letter of the day the cursive letter and what she would do was she would let you go sit down at your desk if and when she approved of your handwriting and i gotta tell you almost every uh, day, I was the last person to sit down that she just didn't approve of my handwriting. And and I think it may have come out of my challenge of the Bible, right? Of the teaching. So w what happened, it was, I was always pissed off because I knew my handwriting was good and I worked really hard at it, but she made me do it, made me do it. Then we get to the end of the year and she has this handwriting contest and everybody writes the same sentence on the piece of paper. You know, the, those old papers that have the two solid lines and the dots in the middle when you learn how to do cursive. So we all wrote we all wrote the exact same sentence and right. put our name on the back and she posted them all up on the room and had everybody go vote on what they thought was the best handwriting in the class. The next day she comes in and she's got her typical Sister Mary attitude. She's got this grumpy look on her face like she just ate a persimmon or something. And she's like, third place, and she announces it. Second place, announces it. Both of those were girls. And then she says, first place, 
and this wouldn't have been my decision were it up to me, goes to Joe McCarthy. And inside, I was like, yes, <laughs> gotcha. Because <laughs> all, all the students, they, they didn't know whose handwriting was, and they said, well, that's definitely the prettiest handwriting. The cool thing is that Sister Mary, by her making me stand at the, at the chalkboard and re- rewrite my letters more than any other kid, I became a really good handwriter. And then it came back to bite her in the butt when I, when I had the best handwriting in the class. <laughs> yeah, so that was my, that was my revenge. And right, of course, I couldn't right. double in it out loud. But inside, I was like, yes, That's, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That had to feel good. That had to have been some vindication Absolutely. for a fourth grader. Yeah, for a fourth grader that just was scared to death of, yeah. his, of his nun that was teaching him religion. How ironic, right? C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien couple of the greatest authors ever in mankind in my opinion right they were fantastic and their views on how much that how many people they've helped what were their mothers like yeah you know napoleon you know the from france right what would you call him the uh anyway napoleon said said, let france have great mothers and france will have great sons Mm. wow you know abraham lincoln said behind every great man is a great mother of course, I always say behind a great man is a woman shaking her head, but that's beside the <laughs> point. Well, that's true too, right? Yes, and. <laughs> right? You know, but you, you know what? We talk about C.S. Lewis and J.R.L. Tolkien, uh, but we probably don't talk about their mothers a whole lot. Yeah. But they probably had some pretty amazing moms for them to have the outlook that they had. Yeah, no doubt. I, I'd like to go back to your daughter. Right. And you had yeah, a two hour texting session we with her that you've never had that kind of a conversation with her in a long time anyway. Right. That kind of conversation. She's 15 years old now. Who wants to talk with her parent now at 15? You know, <laughs> and, and every, but you were smart. You realize what made her tick. So you changed your pattern to to fit her. Right. That two hours of texting that came out of discipline. You know, that came out of you talking to her about something that that she needed to correct if she was going to be successful later in life. And yet she's going to look back on that. I, I guarantee you she's going to remember that two hours of when when discipline is done. Dis, I like how you worded it before. Discipline is not punishment. Yeah. we got to stop viewing it as that. Discipline is, yeah. like you said, they're guide rails, right? And when it's done yeah. in love, it is one of the most loving Anyone can pat you on the back and say you did well, but it's when it's hard, which like we talked about agape earlier, right? It's it's when it's hard. Nobody wants to tell their kid to trick their kid. And and if you're dying to get to that point, then maybe you probably shouldn't. But nobody really wants to tell their kid where they need to fix this or they need to. Right. But when you love them, you go, if I don't fix this, this is going to come back up and slap them later on in life. And I want my child to be successful. So we've got to do that. Or I'm super tired tonight and I don't want to have to deal with this, but you got to do it. Or like when I would, you know, discipline my child, sometimes I didn't want to go back up to his room and and talk to him. But boy, I'm glad, sure glad I did, because when he comes back later and says, thanks, Dad, what I loved about this, the discipline was you'd always come up afterwards and explain why. And I'm glad I did, because at the time, I'm like, do you understand why Daddy had to do that, why we had to discipline? And half the time, he was like, he would say the wrong thing. I'm like, no, that wasn't. Okay. That you missed wasn't, the point. You know, right, it at all. Yeah. You know, right. so moms got the soft love, but they also got the tough love. They got the teddy bear love, and they got the mama bear love. You know, just even as you said that, Steve, it dawns on me for the very first time that Sister Mary actually gave me a gift and she didn't mean to. 
and I think this is something for moms to hear, mm. is that Sister Mary, she, she made me stand up the blackboard to my own embarrassment because I'm the last kid to sit down and everybody's waiting for Joe to get the letter right. She, she was being cruel in a sense. Yeah. But what she did is she, make, she, she forced me, because I had no choice in the matter, she forced me to keep working at something until I got really good at it. I didn't see that as a gift at all. And in the end, I actually yeah. should, I should send a thank you to her and yeah. say, you know what, regardless of what your intentions are, you set boundaries for me and you held me to a discipline and I got really good at something. And I think that's a grace that parents and mothers in particular need to give to themselves to say, you know, sometimes it feels harsh. Sometimes maybe my intentions actually were harsh, yeah. but I held my children to a standard. And if I do that long enough and consistently enough, they'll get really good at doing the right thing. And I'm like, whoa, that's kind of profound, right? So the thing that I told that story about Sister Mary to yeah, kind of to say I didn't like her, or I didn't like what she did, and she gave me a gift. I mean, it's remarkable. It's profound. I think it's amazing that you want to, you know, you, the, even a thought enters your mind. This woman that was very, it was very difficult for you when you're 10 years old. And yet now you're actually talking about honoring her by writing her a letter or contact her and say, thank you for what you put me through or thank you for, for that. And I think that what moms need is the macaroni necklaces. They don't need something big, but, but something small is very big to them. And I think it'd be good for all of us to, and, yes. and I think it'd be very good for us to, on Mother's Day, not even just Mother's Day, but even starting right now, but to make sure that we, we thank our moms. And if your moms were difficult, it's difficult for you to do that because of how you're raised by your mom, then find some other women in your life that were like mother figures to you yes. that, that, you know, the Bible actually talks about God says, I'll be a father to the fatherless. But I think it goes with both parents. I think it goes with the, with the moms. And I think, you know, when my dad passed away, there were some men that, that rose up in my life that were never in my life before. And also, out of nowhere, I've got all these fatherly figures in my life helping me do things with money that my dad didn't even know how to help me with, right? And I think the same is true with moms, too. And I think every one of us, um, there's, there's somebody somewhere that that decided to give us some attention and pull us alongside and 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 help us out and i think it'd be very good if we use our words or we use our text or we use our social media or we use a letter i don't know if you know what that is but it's an actual it's a piece of paper and it's the, <laughs> you know, an analog text right but if we could find some way to just it's so easy nowadays you don't have to write a letter anymore it's right online but a text a phone call uh something a gift uh whatever, like you did, you know, you realize that your daughter loved texting. So you texted her, you know, yeah. but your wife yeah. doesn't want to get a text from you saying, you know, right. your wife probably has a different love language, you know, but I think it would be great if we would, what you were thinking about sister Mary, what's where her name was. You said, that's a weird last name, sister Mary whatsoever. But, <laughs> if we, but I think we should, we should adopt that whole thing. And I think we just need to honor our moms. And, and uh, even if we take a, a moment and have, of silence and just think about them or, or whatever, but I think that's part of Mother's Day. It's the best part of Mother's Day. is isn't just taking them out for dinner, but it's the reason why we're taking them out to, to dinner. And I think it's important that our moms, in the same way our children need to hear from our mouths that they're valuable and that we love them, our moms need to hear the same thing. We always say, you know, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody ain't happy. Nobody but happy. I think we could, <laughs> right. But I think we could flip that. Truth is, if we're all happy, then mama's going to be happy. That's so true. And we always put the pressure on mama. If mama ain't happy, then nobody's happy. And it kind of makes mom look like, you know, the mama bear, not the teddy bear, so to speak. But truth is, if yeah. we would be happy at home, then mom's going to be happy because that's mom's biggest thing. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so two things come to mind, Steve, when you said that. One is not only am I going to thank Sister Mary, what's her call it, whatever her name is, I'm going to handwrite it in my super beautiful handwriting that she gave me, and I'm going to say, you know, you're doing really bad handwriting. You... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for giving me this beautiful handwriting that you didn't recognize. No, I'll try to. I don't even know if she's still alive. But the more important thing that you said is there are so many mother figures in my life. We often talk about father figures, right? That's a word that's used a lot, a phrase. But there are mother yeah. figures that are super powerful and I am so grateful for. And as I look back in my life, my mother did a good job, but she was very limited in, in her own emotional well-being. So uh, she has regrets, and I, I try to forgive, help her forgive herself for that. But, but check this out, Steve, and I, I've told you this a little bit before. So I had, I had a birth mom that I had no relationship with until just recently. I had an adoptive mom who had lots of you know, issues, uh, and we had lots of dysfunction. My sister, who's five years older than I, she basically... Uh, when my mom and dad split up, became a parent in many ways. And she raised me and my little brother because she was the oldest and she had to take on the responsibilities. So in many ways, she is that same mother to me and filled in the gaps where my own mom couldn't. And then my dad got remarried and I had a stepmom who was the exact opposite of a stepmomster. She was absolutely awesome. Always treated us as if we were her own, even though she, she didn't have wow. to at all, but she always was yeah. generous and kind and warm and loving stepmom. So I had my birth mom. I had my adoptive mom. I had my sister who really mothered me through much of my childhood. I had a stepmom who was awesome and still is. And then to all the other women out there, I just want you to know that when the mothers of my friends would have me over to their house or when I would just come over to play or to eat or do homework or whatever it was. And they would cook meals and invite me to their table and they would treat me like one of their own because just cause I was friends with their son or daughter, um, they were mothering me and didn't even know it and filling in the gaps where that yep. my mom couldn't necessarily provide. And I was just sucking up that, that love and watching and observing how they would treat their own kids and their own families. And so, I, I mean, I've got countless moms like that. And when I was in college and it was Thanksgiving and I couldn't get home because it was too far and too expensive. And somebody's parents would say, come on over and have spend Thanksgiving with us. And they would adopt me into their family just for the week or the weekend or the day. And like they were mothering me. Right. And then, you know, I get, a, get out of college and I don't have a place to live. Yeah. And my friend Jeff's mom, she says, come live in our house. We've got an empty room, you know, stay here as long as you need to. And she, there was always groceries and laundry and all the things that a mom does. She just adopted me for as long as with no strings attached, right? And so many people in my life have served me with that motherly yeah. love of unconditional kindness and grace and patience and peace and no strings attached. So to all of you out there who, whether you've got a great mom or not, or whether you even think you're a great mom, or maybe you don't even have any children right yet because the God hasn't provided that for you or you've chosen not to, whatever you still have that nurture nature in you and you can provide the motherly love to people around you. And they might not, they might not be even younger than you. Maybe they're older than you, but that same sort of nurturing we, that we all need, we're all built with that desire and that, that deep seated uh, yeah. hole in our hearts that only moms can fill. Yeah. It's a village, village, right? Exactly. And yep. so I'm so grateful to all the moms who don't even know that they were providing me motherly love. And then, of course, I'm super grateful to to my God, who's not only my father, 
but he's also my mother as well. Well said, my friend. Well said. So happy Mother's Day, all you out there. This is Mojo, Steve Hayes. We are out. Make someone happy. Make just one someone happy. And you will be happy too. Peace.